salvation. They asked a question this morning. We're going to go back to that today. How to know you're saved? Three, six words. How to know you are saved. Now, it's an awesome thing, but a whole lot of people don't know that they are saved. Call somebody, text somebody, email them. Let them know it's time for the word. If you've been wanting to know about are you saved or not, I'm here to give you the word this morning. This is something that the Lord put on my heart uh, yesterday or the day before. Minister on to the people. How do they know they say? We already talked about we're going to perfection in this teaching. Uh, how the man may write with God. And then we also talk about today how to know you are saved. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. Now, let's get right into God's word. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 2 and verse 10, just one verse. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10, uh, just one verse, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God. All right? First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So that's for my series. That's for my series. We have to understand for my series, amen, for my series. God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, all right? Now, that's the word of God revealed, the word of God revealed. God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. The Bible says the spirit searcheth all things, <clears throat> yea, the deep things of God, all right? So now we're going to get into the word of God. All right, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're done with that. Now we're going to get into the Word. We're going to get into the Word of God. Now we're going to go to the book of 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. We're just going to read that. We're not teaching that like we did the first service. Uh, the first service, we was able to get into some things. All right, uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Let's go there right now. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to go back there. 1 Timothy. Thank you, that's better. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Amen. That means up. Uh, all right. All right, we're done. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Oh, let's get right into God's word. And verse number 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3. All right. This is going to be what we're going to teach on today. Our whole concern is about your salvation. God sent Christ to die on the cross because he wanted you saved. Amen? All right, First, first uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Very important. Told you how to be saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, what is the truth? Christ died for your sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. That's the truth. All right. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few of those. And then I'm going to get back and back, back up and cover some stuff we didn't get a chance to cover last week. So let's get right into God's word. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. We thank you now for that anointing. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing your word to us, Lord. Thank you where we can go to your word. 
and we can teach your word, we can believe your word. We don't have to put our faith and our trust in what man say. We can go to the word of the living God ourselves. Now teach us, lead us, and guide us, and help us understand. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. All the read that prayer said, amen, amen, praise the Lord. All right, now, I'm going to be, I'm going to be giving you something quick. I'm going to give you one more, and that's the book of Titus while we're there, chapter 3. We read now the King James, Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7 says, Paul, you, Paul said himself, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We were disobedient, we were deceived, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, and living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. That's before you were saved. Verse 4 said, but after the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, watch this, he saved us. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shared on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, while you're there, I want to show you one more in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared. So God has already come and brought salvation. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath, past and hath appeared, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live sober, righteous, and godly in this present world. So we have what we need in the Word. So let's get right into God's word. We left off this morning with uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 7. That's where we're going to go. Uh, we're going to start with 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. We're going to do 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Why was people destroyed at the end of the age that Paul were living in. Why were people destroyed? I'm going to show you. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, You remember, brethren, our labor and travail, labor night and day, because we will not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameable we behave ourselves among you that believe. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. That you will walk worthy of God. Here we go. Who has called you. Now that's what I'm going to show you. You were saved because God called you. Now if you have not come and received God's salvation, shame on you. Because that's how you say you say because God called you, all right. It had nothing to do with what you did. It had to do with a calling. God called you to salvation. Watch this verse again. He says in verse number twelve, First Thessalonians two twelve, that you should walk worthy of God who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. God has called. All of us to his kingdom and glory. But verse 13 says, For this 
cause also we thank God with our ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you receive it not as the word of men, but as it in truth, the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Oh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Paul said to them at Thessalonians, he said, you brothers became followers, watch this, of the churches of God, which is in Judea, are in Christ Jesus. They were in Judea, but these believers were in Christ. You also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as we have the Jews, who also killed the Lord Jesus and, and their own prophets. They have persecuted us, Paul says, they please not God and are contrary to all men. Watch this. Forbidding us, that word speak mean to preach, forbidding us to preach to the Gentiles that they might be saved. Well, why did he have to preach to the Gentiles to be saved? Because you're not saved until you hear the truth. The gospel of Christ, Christ died for you. He was buried and raised again from the dead. It's the truth. So when you hear that and believe it, God gives you eternal life. He gives you the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, watch what it says. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentile that they might be saved. To fill up their sins always. And then it said, the wrath of God is not going to come. Eels come upon them to the uttermost. Now, what wrath of God he's talking about? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 3. And we'll show you the wrath of God because I'm going to show you why so many people are teaching shall be saved. Shall be saved. Shall be saved is not your ministry. Your ministry is you are saved. You already have been saved. Now, I have to minister that to you and now you have to believe it and receive it for you can have it in your, in your soul. But what God has already done to save you and save all men, he's already done that. All right, so Matthew chapter 3, this is where you get the word wrath from. And then you get the word shall be saved. So listen to me real good. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that's not to the body of Christ. That was to the people who were Jews in Judea. For this is he which was spoken of, the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one, talking about John the Baptist, crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, a leather girdle about his loins, and meat, he was eating locusts and wild honey. There went out to him, then went out to John, Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan. These were Jews. And they were baptized of him in Jordan. Watch what they were doing, confessing their sins. Why were they doing that? Because Jesus hadn't died. They were before the cross. After the cross, you don't have to confess your sin to be saved. They had to confess their sin before the cross. After the cross, Christ died for your sin. You need to believe that Christ died for your sins. And verse number seven, this is where you get those words here. And when he was, he saw many, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, John said, oh, generation of vipers, that's what he called 
the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee, watch this, from the wrath to come. From the wrath to come. And how are they going to be saved from that wrath? Bring forth, therefore, fruits. That word fruits mean works necessary for repentance. Well, what was necessary for them to repent? They had to be water baptized. Let me show you that in Acts chapter 13, verse 24. That's why they were baptized, because that showed they was, had repented. All people that was repenting under John's baptism were Jewish believers. And so Acts chapter 13 and verse number 23 says, of this man's seed, God according to his promise. Now, now this is being ministered, raised up to Israel as Savior Jesus. Watch what it says in verse 24, Acts 13, 24. When John had first preached before his coming, watch this, the baptism of repentance, who did he preach it to? All the people of Israel. That's what John preached to Israel because they had to repent and receive their Messiah. They had to repent and receive their Messiah. And yet people are preaching to the church day, the body of Christ, the same message. That message was not given to us, the body of Christ. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 now. 2 Thessalonians. Let's see why these people was destroyed when that wrath did come at the end of their dispensation. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now let it will let it until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Now he's talking about during the days of the apostle Paul. When the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So when Jesus came, that's what he did. He destroyed the serpent. Even him whose coming is after the work of the Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Remember Jesus told them if they did not receive him, another will come in his own name and they will receive him. This is what he's talking about. Now, and with all deceivingness and unrighteousness in them that perish, watch why they perished. Because they received not the love of the truth. Well, what is the love of the truth? Christ already had died for them, buried and raised again from the dead, and Israel rejected it. They rejected the cross because they received not the love of the truth. Watch this, that they might be saved. See, Israel could have been saved if they had received Christ's death, and resurrection. If they believed he was the Messiah, they had to believe he was the Christ, the Son of God. But they would not believe it. So they were saved if they would believe the truth, that they might be saved. Verse 11 says, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Now, it's not today, 2,000 years ago. God sent them strong delusion so they believed the lie. That all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So that, that's how... They were saved. Now let's keep going in verse number 13. He said, but we are bound, Paul said, to give thanks always to God for your brothers, beloved of the Lord, 
because God has from the beginning, watch this, chosen you to salvation. Now, it's an awesome thing. God has already chosen man to salvation, and yet we are trying to make, give it to man, but we're going to have them to do something. No, no, salvation is a free gift. This is why God called you. I'm going to show you again. Watch, watch this. Now, it says in verse 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. This is so awesome. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brothers, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation, watch this, through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Told you what you need to do. The Holy Ghost is going to sanctify you, and you got to believe the truth. Then in verse 14, where until he called you, Paul said, watch this, by our gospel. So if you're not listening to Paul's gospel, maybe that's your problem. God called us by the gospel of Christ. Watch what Paul said. See, Paul preached the gospel of Christ. Now you're going to say, well, until he called you by our gospel. Come on, this is what it says. God called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ? It's the Holy Spirit. Is eternal life. So God called you by our gospel. So what happened when you don't believe the gospel? See, you're trying to be saved, but you're trying to be saved on your own terms. Now let, let's go to another one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 24. 2 Timothy 2, 24 says, And the servant of the Lord, must not strive, but be gentle to all men, able to teach in patience. Watch what he says. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God will preadventure, if God preadventure will give them repentance, give now, give, you don't have to do nothing, give repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So when you acknowledge the truth, Christ died for my sins, he was buried and God raised from the dead, God gives you repentance. Everything you get, your salvation is free. And not only that, when that happened, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Isn't that something? So God gave you the truth to set you free. That's just like Jesus told them in John chapter 8, verse 30. Remember those disciples that believed on the Lord Jesus and followed him? That's what he told them in verse 32, John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, let's move on, because I got, I got so much to show you. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You right there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Watch what he says about the people here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says in verse 6, For this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away of diver lusts. Watch what he says in verse 7. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's an awesome verse. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What God wants all men to be saved. But they have to come to the knowledge of the truth. You've got to acknowledge 
that Christ died for your sins and was buried and God raised him from the dead. Now, let's show you on the word call because I told you earlier that you are saved because God called you to salvation. Let's go to Colossians 3. Let's run some of these down. In Colossians, now this word call, that's what save. I, I, I didn't give it to you, but I want to give that word to you. You got taking notes. When God saved you, he preserved you from danger. That's what it means when you are saved. Your soul is preserved. Yeah, even you. Preserved from danger. To be saved, and that's what he saved was your soul, is to deliver from sin and death. So once Christ saved your soul, he has delivered your soul from sin and death. God put your soul in Christ. We're going to show you that. We're going to show you. God put your soul in Christ, and God put Christ in your soul. That's how he saved you. He preserved your soul. All right? Now, this word saved means to deliver from sin and death, from condemnation, from evil. See? It's to rescue you. See, what has happened when God saved you? He rescued us from sin and death. See, we are saved, all right? Now, I'm going to show you uh, that also when God saved you, he delivered condemnation from your conscience. I I'm getting ready to get into some things now. Let me say it again. When God saved you, he delivered condemnation from your conscience. He delivered guilt from your conscience. And I'm going to show you when a person is saved, Romans 8 and 1, there, therefore now no condemnation. Well, what is he talking about? Where's condemnation? Where's guilt in the conscience? So when Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what happened to Adam? Condemnation came into his conscience. Now, the new covenant used the word condemnation. The old covenant used the word heart in the heart. That's why if you read Psalm 51, let me show you something. If you understand this, you can read Psalm 51 and you will see what David's going to say. But we're going to interchange the word heart with the word conscience. And Psalm 51 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to my, thy loving kindnesses. According to the multitude of thy tender mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Watch what he says. Cleanse me from my sin. Well, in the old covenant, the sin is in the heart. It's still there because God gave you no heart. But we're going to use the word conscience, okay? It's the same interchangeable word with the word heart. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Well, what is the sin? It's in the heart, in the conscience. It was in the soul of man. All right, verse number three says, I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. Now, we know this was David spiritually. Have I sinned, David says, and done this evil in thy sight. And that thou may be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Watch what he's going to say. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin that my mother conceived me. Behold, thou desire truth. Watch this. Thou desire truth. In the inward parts, in the hidden part, thou shalt make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. 
wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Well, what is he going to do? He's going to wash him. He's going to wash his heart, going to wash his soul, wash his conscience. New covenant, going to give him a new heart, new conscience. Now, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Watch verse 10. Create in me, watch this, a clean heart. Now, think about the word conscience. Created me a clean conscience because that's what was giving him the problem. Sin was in his conscience. And the guilt was there of what he had done. He couldn't get away from the guilt. He had murdered this man. He had went with this man's wife, had a baby by this woman. Then he had, had her husband killed. Now this guilt was, he couldn't get away from it. When he go to bed at night, it was still there. So he asked God to create in me in verse 10, Psalm 51 and 10. Created me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast away, cast me not away from thy presence. Cast me away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. See, now he began to cry out to God. All right? But let's look at this in Hebrew chapter 9. Let me show you something. Let's look at Hebrew chapter 9, and I'm gonna, we're going to pick it up there because we want to read Hebrew chapter 9 and hopefully some of chapter 10. Now, when we get to Hebrew chapter number 9, we want to show you a verse that God did for us. Hebrew chapter 9 and verse number 7. Now, if you back that up, Hebrew 9 and verse 8. Let's go all the way back. Hebrew 9 and 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiness of all was not yet made, while the first tabernacle, which was natural, was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which we offer both gifts and sacrifices that could not, watch this, could not make him that did the service, which was Aaron, the high priest could not make him perfect as pertaining to the conscious. Now, you got to see what God is talking about. It could not make him perfect. He could not cleanse his conscience. All of that work that they did and all those animals that they sacrificed could not cleanse that conscience. All the blood, Hebrew 9.22 right here, told you without shedding the blood, Almost all things are by the law. Hebrew 9.22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. So the only way they can get rid of that sin, they had to kill all those animals. But it was only cover the sin. It wouldn't wash it away. Christ's death, bearing resurrection, his sacrifice on the cross, washed the sins away. So now we have a clean conscience, a clear conscience. We don't have guilt and condemnation in our conscience anymore. Oh, that's good news, man. That's good news. If you had that in your heart, you couldn't sleep at night. You, you, it's an awesome thing to go to bed at night and you got a clean conscience. God's blood has washed your conscience whiter than snow. He gave you a new heart. Look at here. Hebrew chapter 9 says it's a pertaining to the conscience. Hebrew 9 and 9. Which is a figure for the time then present in which we offer both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Now, 
because this stood only in meats and drinks. Remember, I told you that in the Passover. That word meats is bread, bread and wine, and dye was washing with the baptism, carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Refor Reformation. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a great and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that means that's Christ. See, Christ is the new tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Remember, the holy place is the church. If you know anything about the tabernacle in the wilderness, it had three sections. It had an outer court, it had the holy place, and it had the holy of holies. All right? Now, the holy place is called the church. Now, watch this. It says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once. Once, where did he enter? He entered into the holy place, the church. That's why we call the body of Christ. Watch this. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, if he obtained eternal redemption for us, what was eternal redemption? What is it? The word redemption means forgiveness. So God has obtained through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and his precious blood, he obtained eternal, everlasting forgiveness for the church. Man, I could stop right there and shout. It's an, all, it's an awesome thing. Even when we error today as believers, we still have the blood of Christ that has already forgiven us. Now, I don't walk in this stuff because I've been forgiven. That's why Romans chapter 6 says, I mean, do we just go and do things wrong because we have the grace of God? God forbid. Certainly not. You see? But you have the grace of God because God has given you eternal redemption. Your forgiveness is eternal. Okay. Now, in Hebrew chapter number 9, let's continue. Now, in verse number 14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, Hebrew 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, this is what Christ did, he offered himself without spot to God, he purged our conscience. Remember the Old, Old Testament used the word heart, creating me a clean heart. He cleansed our conscience from dead works so we can serve the living God. Boy, that's an awesome verse. Christ washed our hearts, our conscience, from dead works. Now remember, dead works is what I've been telling you about all the time. Water baptism, circumcision, foot washing, animal sacrifice, Passover, all these things were ordinances. All these things got to be washed out of your heart. Got to be washed out of your mind. They got to be replaced with Christ. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You got to have your conscience washed. That's what Christ's blood does. He washed our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, what are the dead works? It's what I read in Hebrew chapter 6. See, if you go back to Hebrew chapter 6, these are dead works. 
Therefore leaving, that's what it says, Hebrews 6 and 1. Therefore leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not land again, watch this, the foundation of repentance from dead works. See, we don't need to keep doing that again. Christ already did that. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, because this is what I want to get some of this in. Because we're talking about Christ's salvation. What an awesome thing. Christ is our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 10. Now, the Bible said in verse 1, the law having a shadow of good things to come. Not the very image of the thing. Watch what it says. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, watch this, make the common thereof perfect. Now we know what that word perfect talking about now. Perfect conscience. All that stuff that could not make their conscience perfect. For then would they have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshipers, watch this, the worshipers once purged should have had, watch this, no more conscience of sin. Now, if you can water baptize me and get me saved, then I should have no more conscience of sin, no more conscience of sin. If I could take communion, Passover, and wash my conscience, I should have no more conscience of sin. See, all of these things that man did, types and shadow, wouldn't work. Follow me along. It says, for, verse 2 says, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. That's why God stopped using it. Because that the worshipers once purged, once they used this stuff, they sh it should have had no more conscience of sin. It should have been no more condemnation. There should have been no more guilt. But in those sacrifices, watch this. There is a remembrance again made of sin every year. Now, what happens, pastor, when you give people communion, Passover? What do you do? You remind them of their sin. Some people have them to come on Saturday and even confess their sin so they can take communion on Sunday. It's all about a sin game, but what it does, it makes the preacher, well, you're taking the place of the Lord, what you're doing. Because you're not telling the people what God's doing. They're looking at what their church is doing and the preacher. Watch this. But in those sacrifices, Hebrews 10 and 3, there's a remembrance of again made of sin every year. For it is not possible. Oh, my God, is this awesome word. It is not possible that the blood of bulls, goats should take away sin. Listen. It's not possible that water baptism can take away sin. It's not possible that you can offer up a thousand animals can't take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, talking about Christ, he said to the Father, Sacrifice it often, thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Watch what it says. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Burnt offering and sacrifice for sins. Thou hast had no pleasure. Now let me show you because I'm going to do Hebrews chapter 10. Let me show you the burnt offering and the sacrifice. I don't know how well you understand the word, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And Paul taught this in Ephesians chapter 5 and the first two verses. Ephesians chapter 5. He's going to tell you about the burnt offerings and the sacrifice. 
Now watch this. If you understand Leviticus, if you have did a study in Leviticus, you understand this. He says, but be ye followers of God as dear children, he says. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. Watch what he did. Two things. He has given himself for an offering. Number one. He has given himself for an offering and a sacrifice. Just think about it. He has given himself for an offering and a sacrifice. Why an offering and a sacrifice? See, when you read Hebrews chapter 10, he's going to give you two in verse 6. And burnt offerings. So he gave himself an offering. What kind of offering? A burnt offering. And a sacrifice for sin. What kind of sacrifice? A sin offering. So if you read Leviticus, they had different offerings. But when Christ died, he died and gave himself as a burnt offering. And then he gave himself a sacrifice for sin. Two things, now I got to see this real good. Because I want to minister to you, hopefully in the future, the death of two lambs. And so that's why you have to see this. One was a burnt offering and one was a sin offering. Now, let's go back and show you that in Ephesians. Let's, not Ephesians 5 this time. We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at it because we're going to see this in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse number Five. Let's start reading verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Watch this. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Watch this. Wherein he has made us, watch this, accepted in the beloved. Now, if you ever studied the offerings, you're going to realize that it was the burnt offering. The burnt offering that made man accepted with God. So why did Jesus present himself to the Father as a burnt offering? Because through Christ's death as a burnt offering, he made you accepted with God. That's why the Bible said we are accepted in the beloved. Whew, this is good news. Now, it's another offering, which is a sin offering. Verse 7. See, that's, those are the two offerings here, verse 6 and verse 7. Verse 6 is the burnt offering. Verse 7 is sin offering. Okay, those are the two offerings, burnt offering and sin offering. All right, in whom we are redemption, sin offering. Through his blood, sin offering. The forgiveness of sin, see, he had to shed his blood before our sins could be forgiven. He is the sin offering in whom we have redemption. We have forgiveness through his blood. It tell you, it's the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. All right, those are the two offerings. So you'll find out in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 2 says he has loved us in, in, in Ephesians 5, has Given himself as an offering, that's a burnt offering, and a sacrifice, that's a sin offering. So that's what Christ did for us. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. This is so awesome when you really study the word, what he has done for us. Now, that's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6 now. He says, in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, 
Thou hast had no pleasure. Now you can see why he had no pleasure because that's what Christ came to do. Christ was a burnt offering. Now it's an awesome thing that all of the fire of God fell on Christ. This is awesome. And a burnt offering. See, you got to understand, when they put an offering on the altar, they burned it. And that smoke went up from the offering and was a sweet-smelling savor to God. When Christ was on the cross, he became a burnt offering. All of God's wrath and his fire fell upon Christ. That's when he says, I thirst. I thirst. And they gave him vinegar to drink. See, you read Psalm 22 sometime. This thing is so powerful. Matter of fact, I think I will. I think I will. I think I will. Look at Psalm 22. See, if you ever look at what happened to Christ on the cross. See, this is what happened. He was, the fire of God fell on him. Now, if you had seen this through Elijah the prophet, if you ever studied Elijah the prophet, then they would put down the sacrifices. They would put no fire on it. And then the God who answered by fire, let him be God. So Elijah told them, go and call on your God. And when they finished, Elijah set up all of his sacrifice utensils, filled the basin with water, poured water all around. And he said, look, the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all of a sudden the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, licked up the water. That was the God who answered by fire. Now here's this Christ on the cross. The only thing different is that the fire of God is going to fall on him, but is not going to be able to consume the sacrifice. Woo, that is good news. So the fire of God's wrath fell upon Jesus fell upon Jesus, but it could not consume him. God's love consumed the wrath instead of God's fire consuming his son. That's how powerful God's love is, brother. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now you know this is what Jesus said on the cross. My God, my God. You know why he was forsaken? So you will never be forsaken. That's good news. God will never forsake you because Jesus has been forsaken for you. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou far from helping me? Psalm 22 in the King James Version. And from the words of my rowing, O oh my God, I cry in the daytime what thou hearest not. In the night season, and I'm not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabited the praise of Israel. Our father trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou delivered them. They cried to thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I'm a worm. I'm no man. I'm reproaching men. I'm despised of the people. That's Christ on the cross. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They look upon me. They, they, they shoot out their lips. They shake their heads saying, 
he trusted in the Lord that will deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted him. That's what they were saying when they would walk around the cross. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didn't make my hope, make me hope when I was up on my mother's breath. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from, from me. Trouble is near. There's none to help me. How many know the father's right there with him? How many know the father's right? Only reason he was forsaken because he was forsaken so you don't have to be forsaken. But did the father leave him? Oh, no. Oh, no. He was right there. Be not far from me, he says, for trouble is near. There's none to help me. Now watch the demonic force that was coming against him. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan. There was devils. They have beset me round about. They gaps. They biting upon me with their mouths. As a ravening in a rowing lion, they are trying to devour me. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. The fire of God fell upon him. Fire of God fell upon him. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. The fire of God fell upon him. Verse number 15. My strength is dried up like a postured. My tongue cleaved to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look upon me. They stare upon me. He parted my garment among them and cast lots for my vesta. Be thou, thou, be thou not far from me, O Lord, my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horn of the unicorn. I will declare thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. He, he realized out of all that he's coming out. God's going to raise him from the dead. Now he says I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will praise thee. The type of Jonah in the whale belly. Jonah began to cry out to God. And God spoke to that Fishing, that fish spit Jonah out on dry land. This is what Jesus is going through. I would, in verse number 22, I would declare thy name to thy brothers in the midst of the congregation when I praise thee. You that fear the Lord, praise him. All you the seed of Jacob, glorify him. Fear him. All you the seed of Israel. He has not despised nor the hurt nor abhorred the afflictions of the afflicted. Neither had he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard me. 
That's what Jesus says. When I called on my father, he heard me. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I'll pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied, but they that praise the Lord shall seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's. He is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. And all they that go down into the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be counted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness. That's what we're doing today. Unto a people that shall be born. That he has done this. What an awesome thing. We are those people that was born. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm closing. I'm on my way. Hebrews chapter 10. And burn off in verse 6 says, And burn off and sacrifice for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. Then said Jesus, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. This is what Christ says. In the volume of the book, it's written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. Above when he says sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings, now he's going to tell you what they are. They are burnt offerings and offerings for sin. Thou would not, neither hath pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, that's what Christ says, I come to do thy will, O God. Watch what he did. He taketh away the first, the first man, Adam. He taketh him away. He taketh away the first covenant. He took it away, the first, that he may establish the second. That's why when you read Romans chapter 16, verse 25, watch what happened. The revelation of the mystery is the only way you can be established. Revel, Romans chapter 16, he taketh away the first. Romans 16, 25, just one verse. Now to him, there's a power to establish you according to my gospel, Paul says. You can only be established according to the gospel of Christ. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, watch this, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret before the world began. But it now made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all the nations, for the obedience of faith. To the only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Yes. Now, watch this verse again. He taketh away the first, verse 9. Then said he, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He taketh away the first covenant, so he can establish the second covenant. And yet people still want to operate in the first covenant. See, if you still in water baptism and circumcision and foot washing, I know people get tired of me hearing it because I get tired of hearing it. You see, I understand that. But if people don't understand, God took that away. Nailed it to his cross. So he can establish a second covenant. The second covenant will never be established in your church, never be established in your life until you remove the first covenant. Verse 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified, talking about Christ's death, death, and resurrection. We are sanctified, here it is, through the offering 
of the body of Jesus Christ, watch this, once for all. Christ sacrificed on the altar. His offering of the body of Jesus Christ sacrificed, sacrificed, sanctified us once and for all. And yet people are still trying to do something to be sanctified. Every priest standing there ministering, offering the same sacrifice, watch this, which can never take away sins. Here people still doing this week after week. I know you get tired of hearing it. I get tired of saying it. But people are still water baptizing, think they washed away sin. Watch what it says. Which can never take away sins. But this man, ooh, is this stuff good to me? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, I got to talk to you. This man, Christ on the cross, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. He never going to have to do this again. Forever. Sat down. The Bible says he sat down on the right hand of, the, of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemy be made his footstool. Verse 14 again. For by one offering. Oh my God. Now you have to think now. Because Solomon offered up thousands of goats, thousands of lambs, thousands of sheep, thousands of animals. But this man offered up one sacrifice, one offering. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. For by one offering, he has perfected the conscience, cleansed the conscience forever, them that are sanctified. That's why Colossians 1.28 Watch this. In Colossians 1.28, watch what it's going to tell you. Colossians 1 and 28. One offering. And yet people are still doing stuff they don't want to accept what God has done through his son. Colossians 1.28. Whom we preach, Paul said, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present, present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Every man perfect. Listen, once you're in Christ, you are perfected. What an awesome thing. This is the work of the cross, brother. Verse 15, where, where of the Holy Ghost, we're in Hebrew 10, 15, where of the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. Don't drop your cup. This is the New Testament covenant. I would make, I would make, Hebrew chapter 10 and verse number 16. This is the covenant that I would make with them after those days, said the Lord. I would put my laws into their heart and their minds would I write them. Oh my God. You know, you see something like this in the Bible, you have to go there and say, wait a minute. Did he really say that? Yeah, verse 17. Their sins, their iniquity will I remember no more. Oh my God. Look what God says. God said, I'm going to give them a covenant so awesome through my son, death, being resurrection, and their sins will I remember no more. Well, who remembers your sin? Every time you serve the Passover at your church, every time you give people communion, you're reminding them of their sin. It's not God. 
It's the churches. It's the pastors. Listen, when you are reminded of your sin, you are dependent on the church and dependent on the man to get rid of the sin. God already got rid of your sin 2,000 years ago. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Didn't you see the light of the cross and the burdens of my heart? Roll away that stuff left, bro. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Boy, let me tell you something. You want to get happy? Understand the work of the cross. God has already saved your soul from sin. All you need to do is come and receive your salvation. Oh, my God. Let me, let me hurry. Let me hurry. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 17. And their sins and their iniquity would I remember no more. Now where remission of these is. Watch what he says. There is no more offering for sin. There's no more offering for sin. Oh, if I could just shout that. There's no more offering for sin. You can't do nothing else to get rid of sin. There's no more offering for sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has concentrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. We've already had our heart washed from an evil conscience, and our body was washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. This is the, what the Hebrews had to do. They had to hold fast the profession of their faith without waving, for he is faithful that promise. God has already did everything that needed to be done there's no more offering for sin. Listen, my time is up. I thank you for your every head bowed, every heart open. I want to talk to you for a moment. God has already done it. The Father has already provided. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Listen, you can't get to the Father unless you come through the cross. No man come to the Father but by me. What is he talking about? By my death, being resurrection. You got to come by me. I'm the one died for you. I'm the way. I'm the one died for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Three things. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Death, being resurrection. I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. Death is the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. I'm the death. My death, my burial, my resurrection is the only way you can get to the Father. Every head is bowed. Receive him right now. Receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Lord Jesus... I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe 2,000 years ago, the Father sent you to be a burnt offering and a sin offering. Through your burnt offering, you made me acceptable to God. Through your sin offering, you washed my sins away with your precious blood. 
I receive what you have done for me. I believe what you have done for me. Now, receive the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I receive your Holy Spirit right now as you make me one of your sons and I give you the praise and the glory for it now forever. In the precious blood of Jesus and the precious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. And all the people that pray, I say, amen. My, hey, my time is up. I'm telling you right now, don't forget that God has already saved you. Your soul was saved 2,000 years ago. You need to come and receive God's eternal life. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.